turn again to the, to the chapter we read in, Mar- in uh, the letter to James, <clears throat> James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and reading at verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, as we know, there's nothing more important in the Christian life than faith, because without faith, we have nothing. Uh, It is by faith, well, by grace you are saved through faith. And uh, what, as we're told in the Bible, what isn't of faith is is of sin. And so it's something that the Bible is always asking us to do, to examine ourselves whether we are in the faith. It's a very important thing. It's probably the most important thing that any person could do, is to examine themselves as to whether they're in the faith. And we don't examine ourselves by just looking at our lives. We ex- always examine ourselves against God's word. Because it's there that we, we, we see how things really are. Now, the, the, when there is faith, we know that faith is something that must grow. Faith is like a muscle. And God sees to it that our faith grows. Uh, That's part of the great purpose and plan that he has for us. And here in verse 2 it talks of trials of various kinds. Now, everybody in life faces trials. Everybody. There's not a a person anywhere, young or old, rich or poor, uh, all the way from from the palace to the prison, that doesn't face trials of one kind or another. However, the Christian by the very nature of being a Christian, faces trials that are unique to being a Christian. Because the moment we become Christians, a spirituality comes into our lives and we see everything at a different, in a different way. And when you become a Christian, you begin to face battles and struggles that the world knows nothing of. Uh, There were days, I'm sure, in our own life that we weren't conscious of these struggles. But the moment we become Christians, there is this ongoing war between the flesh and the spirit. There's this conflict between what I am in and of myself and of the Holy Spirit working within us. And that struggle, it's a good thing. And it's an encouraging thing to know. Because if you ever met a Christian who was going to say, you know, I, I... from the day I became a Christian, I have no struggles, I have no problems, everything, everything's plain sailing. And you'd say to yourself, I, that's not the experience I have. And when you go to Paul's writings, despite the fact that Paul learned contentment, despite the fact that Paul was somebody who was enjoyed the presence and fellowship of the Lord, he was also somebody who knew all about uh, the struggles. And you read about that, and whether it's in Romans or in Galatians or wherever it is, you will read about this conflict that goes on. But as I said, we, we all face trials. Now these trials come in various shapes and forms. Sometimes they're spiritual trials. And uh, these can take any uh, way, shape or form. 
Uh, we can have trials, very simple trials, for instance, where we might find it very difficult to pray. And when we pray, we feel that heaven is like brass, that we just can't get anywhere. And it's very hard when you go on day after day and week after week and month after month and you're praying and you say, you know, there's a, I don't think the Lord's listening to me at all. I, don't, I just feel I'm not getting through. That's hard going. And there are some times that we can be Christians and we can lose our sense of the assurance of faith. Now, of course, there's a difference between faith and the assurance of faith. But we can lose sometimes, for a time, that absolute assurance. Because we know that God's Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the sons of God, that we belong to God. And God's Word reveals to us in so many different ways of how we are believers. But sometimes, sometimes God for various reasons. Sometimes it's because of our own sin. That can sometimes be such a block. Uh, remember how it says in Isaiah, your sins have separated between you and your God because they're saying, God, God's saying, God's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your sins, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. In Psalm 66 it tells us, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, that doesn't mean if I have sin in my heart, but if I regard it, if I nourish it, if I cherish it, if I hold it close to myself, if I fondle it, if I love it, that God is not going to, going to hear me. So, sometimes there's no end to the kind of spiritual trials that we can face. But we can face all kinds of trials which are in common with, with, all, with, with everybody. It can be trials with our mind we can be facing anxieties or stresses or depressions of darkness of fears of doubts there can be sometimes these trials can be physical trials of illnesses or pain and uh, all these sort of things they can be family trials um, and these are often the sorest trials of those who are close to you Trials within the marriage, trials within with children, trials through lack of no children, it could be through losses, it could be by in being single. There's, there's no end of the different things. And so as we, as we go through life, we face all these different types of trials. For the Christian, it can sometimes be the trial of being misunderstood, being misrepresented, of being opposed, of being mocked, of being ridiculed. Because you might be, wherever you are, uh, at work, maybe you're the only Christian. And sometimes there's a, a conflict will arise between, in, even in your work. Sometimes you will stand up for something according to the truth and you might be ridiculed and mocked for it. Uh, so all these things are difficult. They're all part of the, the, the various trials of life. But it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. In other words, trials will come. We don't need to go out looking for them. You know, maybe, maybe you're saying just now, well, you know, my life is going fairly smoothly. And if, if trials is an inevitable part of the Christian life, and right now I'm not facing a trial, you might be saying, yes, or maybe I'm not a Christian. Well, the, the thing is, Maybe tonight you're not facing a trial, but trials will come. You've had trials, you'll have more trials. Because you notice what it says 
when you meet trials. Not if you meet, but when you meet. And when you meet trials, and I think it's in the AV, it says when you fall. I think it's the AV, it says when you fall into trials. Now, when we fall, unless you're a stuntman or a stuntwoman, you don't deliberately fall. When you fall, it's something that just, it happens to you unawares. You're taken off guard, and this is what happens. And it's also the same when you're out. You meet people. I remember when my father got, got old, he always asked when I came in the door, who did you meet today? He always wanted to know, who did I meet? Because you're always going to meet somebody. And uh, always wanted to know who you met and maybe what... what and when you look back over, over life, you think of all the people you've met. And often it's through these meetings of people that doors have opened. Your life has often changed just by meeting somebody in the day. So that's what happens in life. Well, trials come like that as well. We meet them so often unexpectedly. They've come out of the blue. We didn't see them coming. All of a sudden, these trials are here. But you'll notice what our attitude should be to these trials. And it's kind of strange in a sense. It says, counted all joy. Now, a trial in and of itself is not something that you automatically say, oh, here's a trial, great stuff. In fact, if you're actually welcoming trial and enthused and excited about a trial, you'd, you'd actually say there's something wrong here. Because trials are difficulties in, in whatever shape or form that they come. And very often when trials come into our lives, we have our attitude isn't the attitude of joy. Sometimes it can be bitterness or resentment or anger or frustration. There can be lots of different attitudes. And uh, remember Job's wife? Remember how Job had one awful calamity after another? And in the end, remember what she said? Curse God and die. That's what she said to Job. She had reached the end. That was it. Other people, they adopt what we might term the kind of the stoic attitude, where it's what we, what we would term maybe the, the stiff upper lip, where we have this sort of thing, well, I'll grin and bear it, I'll, I'll face this, I'll, I'll show my mettle in this, I'm not going to give in to this, I know it's hurting my heart, it's breaking me, but I'm just going to see it out, it's all I can do. Well, that's not what we're to do either. We're told to, to count it all joy. And how can we do that? How can we count this joy? Well, I think one of the things that we've got to remember is that whatever comes into our life, that God is in whatever comes. God is never surprised or shocked or taken unawares by anything that you have ever met or confronted in your life. And that God is in everything, as a Christian in particular, that comes into your life. And not only is God in it, but God has a purpose in everything that comes into your life. Now, I know that sometimes this can be hard to understand, and I know that there are times that 
we find it hard to reconcile God's love and God's goodness to us when we face heartache and pain and loss and sorrow. Sometimes the Christian for a long time can be left confused and broken. And I'm not saying that straight away a Christian is going to be straight away when they face real trials that the immediate reaction is going to be joy. In fact, I would say it won't be. But it is only through God's grace that that joy can eventually be found. And of course the joy that we discover is not joy of the actual trial itself, but joy in the Lord. And when we have the joy of the Lord, it it will be our strength. And it's it's like how the Apostle Paul, remember in... in We often use the example in the the church, in in the prison in Philippi. Paul and Silas were praising God. And you've got to remember that they were bruised and battered and bleeding and they were in the the inner prison and their feet were held fast in in, in these kind of stocks. They were real, really, really, and they'd been beaten up severely. Their backs would have been open and bleeding At a human level, they would be in misery, and yet, how do we find them? They're singing praise to God, because they're filled with the joy of the Lord. This was a joy in the face of the trial, and it's God-given. It's a God-given joy. It's not a joy that you can produce yourself. It's not a joy that is found in anything. It's a joy within the Lord. And so we've got to remember that that the Lord is at work in our lives through all these things. Remember in the children's story on, on Sunday, and I was talking about <clears throat> it was Marie actually with a, when she was a wee girl, and she was going to pick up that big bumblebee, and I pulled her away, and she was really upset because she thought the big bumblebee was so so pretty and attractive, and I pulled her away because that bee might not have, but it's more than likely would have stung her. And God often pulls us away from things, or pulls things away from us, because he loves us, he cares for us, he's looking out for us, he wants the best for us. And some of these things which may be so appealing and so attractive and we think that we need, and that our lives will be the better of it, and God says, actually they won't. They're going to keep you back from me. You will not serve me the way you think you will. If you focus on this, I'm going to take it from you. And sometimes there are things that are, that are they're not sinful in themselves, but we can make a sinful use of them. And so God is dealing with us in all these trials. And there's so much sin and corruption still within our heart that he's molding us and breaking us and he's removing the dross from us. It's like the picture in in, in, in Malachi of the refiner of the silver the picture that we have of the Lord and with the picture there that he's the refiner and he knows exactly how hot to make it in order that the dross will all be taken away and the beautiful silver will shine through that's what he's doing with you and with me and he's, he's in charge and he's not somebody who's Who's putting you into the heat and then forgetting all about you. He's in the heat with you. 
Remember the picture we have in the book of Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? When they were cast into the burning fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar says, Hey, how many people did I put in there? Was it not three? And they said, yes. What well, he says, I'm seeing four. And we know who the fourth was. Because this was a, a picture of the, this was the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the fire with them. And so he will be with us. He will be in the fire with us as well. He's not so, a, a bystander who's not interested. He is right in with us. And like the refiner, he won't put the heat beyond what we can bear. But he will also give us a grace to bear with it. But you'll notice, if we moved on to verse 12, we see the end result. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Now you'll notice in verse 3 it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. See, that's what God's doing. He's producing steadfastness within us. That's his patience and perseverance and this ability to keep going irrespective of what is happening. And this steadfastness, verse 12, blessed is the man who, or the woman who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life. You see, this is what it's all working towards. To the great weight of glory. Your light affliction, through the Bible says, which is working in you an eternal weight of glory. There's the balance. The trials, the afflictions of this life, that's them on one side. The glory in the other. You can't even compare. No matter how difficult it is, the apostle looks at us like, you look at the apostle's life. He talks of light affliction. He was left for dead. Remember, he was stoned. He was thrown into prison. He was beaten up loads of times. He, he faced all kind of food deprivation. And he was shipwrecked all for the gospel's sake. And yet at the end of the day, he counts it light affliction. But that's what it's in comparison to the great weight of glory. The crown of life. And you know when you're crowned with that crown of life and glory, which we begin to receive here in this world, you will say, Lord, it was worth it all. Many a day I couldn't understand what you were doing, but now I know. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, what I do now, you don't know, but you will know hereafter. And he's still saying that to us. So let us have the faith to believe him and to be persuaded that everything he does, he knows what he's doing. And he has a purpose for every single one of us, which is ultimately for our good. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks for, <coughs> for your word. And we give thanks for the great hope of the gospel. And we pray that we might run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Bless us, we pray. We give thanks, Lord, for meeting together. We give thanks for the prayers that have been offered. Prayers in public and prayers in private. And hear and answer even beyond what we've asked. And may the glory of God be upon us. 
And may that glory be evident, even although we feel so sinful and so full of imperfections. We pray that it might be the light and the glory of Christ that will be seen, and that uh, lives will be touched. O Lord our God, as we, we pray for all who are tonight outside Christ, there are so many we know and so many we love, and we long that they would come into the kingdom. Lord, open their eyes, open their their ears, open their hearts to see, to hear, to receive. Bless us then, we pray, and do us good, cleansing us from all our sin in Jesus' name. Amen.